I wish that they can talk more to the farm workers instead of talking about the farm workers. Yeah, because it just gets me mad <laughs> that farm workers are always like the headline of the media, but they don't talk to them, they talk about them. You're listening to the Seton Hall Undergraduate Leaders Podcast, the only leadership podcast run by undergraduate students dedicated to helping undergraduate students lead in diverse fields. From people in diplomacy to entertainment, from CEOs to student leaders, we feature people from all walks of life. It's all part of the mission. Here at the Vecino Leadership Institute, we make leaders better. Hello and welcome to the Seton Hall Undergraduate Leaders Podcast. My name is Kaida Jesus, and I'll be your host. Today, we're talking to Edgar Aquino Huerta, a filmmaker and community organizer. His films, like Made in America and My American Dream, focus on the lives of immigrants, especially migrant workers. He is also a farm worker organizer for the Farm Worker Support Committee, or CATA, and an educational consultant at Interfaith Rise, which helps refugees, asylees, and other immigrants resettle in New Jersey. Edgar, thank you for coming on to the show. No, thank you all for reaching out to me and inviting me. I believe you studied filmmaking, but then you started working as an outreach and farm worker organizer at Kata. That was your first job. Can you talk about how this came about? Being a filmmaker has been a dream of mine ever since I was like maybe eight or nine years old. And I just stayed with the same goals for even during middle school, during high school, and even entering into college. That's what I majored in. A lot of my stories had focused on people from my community, which is mainly undocumented people, agricultural workers, low-income families, just the stories that weren't being told by the people that come from those communities. They were being told from people that come from the outsides, and they weren't being told the way they are. They were being told as if we were victims and not survivors, you know? Like, we were being belittled, and I feel like that's what made me focus on these stories even more because there's so much more than a sad story. There's so much more power in these stories. And I feel like a lot of people can relate to them. Like people that understand my community can relate to these stories because at the end, they end up being successful stories. When I was in college, I was working at an agricultural farm. It's like one of the biggest greenhouses in South Jersey or if anything in New Jersey. And I was doing that in the mornings, and then I was going to class during the day, during the evening, sometimes even in the mornings. So a lot of the things that I was learning in school, I was using that at my job, yeah, especially when it came to storytelling, when it came to learning about workers' rights. I was even teaching my coworkers English. So being part of the movement was something that I was already in without realizing it. Because I was just, I don't know, I just loved sharing my knowledge with, with my coworkers. Just watching them being educated and using that for good is just, it's just something very nice to witness. Even when I was in college, I couldn't afford to miss a day of work because most of my income, most of my income would cover my tuition. So on weekends when we were supposed to be leaving early, I would tell my coworkers, hey, I know that. We're supposed to leave early today, but we're not because I have a project due and you guys are going to help me. You guys are going to be my actors or you guys are going to be the behind the scenes people. And yeah, and I'm like, so we're not leaving early today. <laughs> and yeah, and then and, and they love doing it. They love helping me um, 
create these projects, or at least I hope they liked it. I mean, I didn't really give them the choice sometimes, but it was, it was just, I don't know, it was just a very fun experience. During the pandemic in 2020, I started coming out of my comfort zone more because a lot of the things I wanted to do all happened during the pandemic. Like there was that someone that triggered me into being more involved, which is something that I felt like I always needed because I always wanted to be part of the movement in a more engaging way. The only thing I would do back then was just go to rallies and educate my coworkers. But that's it. I didn't go out and network with other young leaders or I didn't go out and made a name out of myself outside of my community because I just felt like nobody in my community was doing it. So uh, there was really nobody that I was able to reach out to for guidance because I didn't know anybody. So when the pandemic occurred, I started noticing that the media was praising first responders or essential workers, which which are essential workers, like the health department, the nurses, doctors, the fast food workers, the people that work at grocery stores, stuff like that. But I wasn't hearing anything about farm workers, which are the ones that literally have no benefits in New Jersey. That's including undocumented farm workers, farm workers that are from Puerto Rico, who do have legal status, farm workers that come with the H-2A program, which are the ones that come with the visa. Like, none of them have benefits. So they were still working. And even during the pandemic, when they were getting COVID, they weren't being paid their time off. It was very triggering for me because, I don't know, I kind of imagined my coworkers being in that situation. And they were lucky that I was there because I wasn't going to let that happen. But a lot of these other people, they didn't have somebody that can uh, speak up for them or at least teach them to speak up for themselves. I saw a video on social media about these young leaders in California, I believe. They created a caravan, kind of giving thanks to farm workers. So this was all like during the beginning of COVID. They went to the farms. They all came in cars. They had up signs that said not all, not all uh, heroes wear capes, stuff like that, or thank, thank you, because of you we eat, stuff like that. And so that really motivated me to do something like that in my area, but I didn't know who to reach out to or who to invite. Like, I had no idea how to do all of this. Surprisingly, there was this guy in my area who shared the video and said, who's down to do this? I messaged him and I told him that, you know, that I'm down, that I've been trying to do something like this for a while now, but I didn't know how to, or like who would be down for that. And then it just took a message. And then from there, we created this project where we did the same thing in our hometown. Well, not in our hometown, but like in our region in South Jersey. And we had a lot of participation and people came out. We went to the farms, made a video about it, but one or two people that were recording Facebook Live. And I didn't really like that because I felt like that took away the whole purpose of it. Because one thing about me is that I don't like making people feel uncomfortable, especially when you have like a camera in their face and you're like talking and kind of saying like that they're victims when they're not. They're more than that. They're, they're just trying to survive. 
when I was filming it, I was filming it from like like a very uh, far away angle, and then from there we wanted to do more, so we extended our our services. I want to say into helping outside of of that of the farm worker community to our regular community to our undocumented community. It wasn't receiving like any type of help either when they were sick. They were when they were getting COVID. They were being laid off. They were being told to not come to work, but then they weren't they weren't getting paid either. So some friends that were part of the of the group and I we started getting donations from from the same community and we started making like boxes of food and then we would drop them off. We would deliver them to the houses. It was like a whole system that we had. And from there it just grew and I wanna say I grew as an organizer. I ended up applying with Kata, which I could have done earlier, but I didn't know that jobs like Kata existed. I just thought the whole time that that was volunteer work, <laughs> which I couldn't do when I was in college because I couldn't afford to not work. When I got um, the job with Kata, it was, it was part-time. It's still part-time, but I feel like it's a job that helps me grow as a person, as a storyteller, as an organizer. So, yeah, ever since, I've been growing a lot because I've met so many people like myself outside of this region. It's landed me different opportunities to tell my story. It's just a great a great opportunity that came at the perfect moment. Like I made a name out of myself in my community that can motivate other young members to, to also get involved. There have been other people like volunteers, I want to say, from other communities. When somebody sees you with a clipboard mm-hmm. and you're just asking questions that makes people uncomfortable like you're just there to answer questions and write down stuff in the clipboard what i do is i start a conversation with them and i ask them where they're from what motivated them to come here and i um, mean in, in the conversation i ask the question it's kind of like a conversation without being in the clipboard it always works because now i know what they need now i know what they've been accomplishing and now I know what I can do to help them. And hopefully this next generation can help uplift a lot of our community members. Because our Jersey is very different from California and Texas and New York because South Jersey has a lot of first-gen immigrants. So we're not as advanced as we as people are in other parts of the of the country. Basically, a lot of people just don't understand the problems that migrant workers face because they're just not in the space. So what's something that you wish more people knew about? I wish more people know about the exclusion, the farm worker space, which is minimum wage. New Jersey, our minimum wage, I think it went up to 14, 13, I think, I believe. And those 13 cents make a big difference because if you're, if you're not getting paid those 13 cents, that's pretty much, I think, a lawsuit right there. <laughs> Even though 14 cents is, is nothing, but yeah, they're excluded from that. I think right now they're winning maybe $12 the hour or something and some change, but that's not a livable wage, especially for people that have to migrate from state to state because of the fact that there isn't work for the whole year. And also they are exposed to a lot of the pesticides that they're unaware of, which can create short-term and long-term illnesses or effects which can lead to cancer that can create i think you can be sterile as well sometimes 
babies come out a little bit disformed because of the because of the chemicals that are being sprayed and you know the same farm workers sometimes don't even know what's being sprayed that's why like a lot of the times farm workers wear bandanas like because that helps them cover themselves not only from the sun but also from the smell of the pesticides they're underappreciated they're more than the people that work in the back roads there are people that feed us and unfortunately they're just excluded from a lot of the things that other workers aren't and i just wish that more people can get involved especially people that have that power to make change i wish that they can talk more to the farm workers instead of talking about the farm workers yeah because it just gets me mad <laughs> that farm workers are always like the headline of the media but they don't talk to them they talk about them and then they don't even make a difference they just so you mentioned two really interesting statements they talk about them not to them and mm -hmm. the idea of stories about them versus stories told by them can you talk about more what that difference is when they talk about them they talk about them from their point of view like what they see which is not always accurate and like i said there's people that love to follow what's trending and so sometimes farm workers like i said earlier farm workers are like the headline is always like something sad like it's always about them being victims but like i said they're more than victims because they have no story we mentioned that there's a difference between stories told about versus stories told by and not every filmmaker slash storyteller they're, they're not always equipped to tell hard-hitting stories about marginalization in general what can filmmakers, especially those with some sort of privilege, do to help anyway? I feel like filmmakers that have that privilege to uplift these voices is to allow the people that the story is about to tell their own story, to give them the opportunity to tell it the way they want to tell it and let them use their own voice and to just guide them on how to to tell their story or to find consultants from their communities that have the experience that can also guide them because I've seen it in several TV shows where they, they like to add a storyline about the undocumented experience into different shows and they're not always told accurately because as an undocumented student, somebody that has benefited from DACA, we're often portrayed as perfect people and straight-A students, we don't break a glass, stuff like that. But that's not true because we all have different stories. And sometimes, in order for us to have this experience, we have to mess up sometimes. We have to go through obstacles. We have to go through different things. We shouldn't sugarcoat truth because I feel like that's what media does as well. They, they sugarcoat a lot of things. They want to tell a nice story about us, but they don't tell it right. I guess I got to broaden the question a little bit more. What can people do in general to help migrant workers and undocumented people? Something that people can do to get more involved is to find their local organization, especially the ones that focus on the undocumented people. There aren't that many in South Jersey. There's more in North Jersey. But just in general, just to get more involved and to volunteer, volunteering goes a long way like yes i know you're not going to get paid but the opportunities come to you because i've that's been happening to me lately that 
when the pandemic first started and I was volunteering a lot, I was losing like a lot of money because I wasn't working to volunteer. But now that I am doing better, now I'm getting all these opportunities to, you know, to tell my story, uh, something job opportunities and stuff like that. But let me get back to your answer, which is to to research what is their nearest organization that focuses on helping these communities and to just ask, like, how can I get involved? And also the power of social media, sharing, following all these pages that focus on this specific theme and just sharing it with your audience, sharing it by your platform. Since you're in South Jersey, whenever you want to get involved, just reach out to me because I, I started doing farm visits in March. Usually we go in the evenings to go with farm workers just to know like how they are and if they experiencing any injustice in their workplace or if they're if they know about their rights or if they know about the pesticides, stuff like that. I'd love to know because there's so many movements and causes that people want to fight for. And a lot of times people are saying like, oh, go organize. But that's like a big concept that I feel like not a lot of mm-hmm. people understand. Can you break that down? Like what is community organization? How does it work? It depends what your end goal is. An example I can give about community organizing is right now for the driver's license campaign that we had for like, I'm going to say more than 10 years, maybe about driver's license for um, undocumented work for undocumented people. I started getting involved in that around the time when the pandemic started, started when I was working with Kata. I had no clue how to organize anything like that, but I started networking a lot and I started meeting other people that were also involved in this specific topic. I was participating in different calls, different um, conferences to learn more about the whole procedure and like what what is needed. And then I just started creating this call list of organizers who I started um, reaching out to about, you know, possibly making like workshops or like, you know, doing like these like mobile type of things where we can invite people from the community to come. And, um, or if we have our own call list to just make a, like a, like a group chat and just invite them to come on a certain day at a certain time to bring the phone, to bring, you know, the following documents and just help them from there. I did that with, I think with a few friends that I made throughout this, this journey of organizing, but the, the first time I did it was with my job. And, and so we started doing that. We've, we were going to different uh, communities and having like tables and having like the list of things that they can bring. They were bringing in documents and we had like a checklist of what they can take on the day of their appointment. We were making, I think we were making their appointments then and there. It can be a little complicated, but when, when you have a good team with you, it's, it's a lot better. And from what I picked up, it started with people at your job. So it's like the people yeah. right next to you, that's where it starts? Yeah, I was doing it with Kat, but I started it at my agricultural job because one of my goals was always to give back to the people that gave to me, which was my former coworkers, the parents of my friends. Now that I have the power of helping people based off, um, off my knowledge, now I can give back to them. And so I started with them and then through their network, they were notifying their friends that this new law came out and now they can do this, they can do that. And from there, I just became like 
somebody that people would come to when it came to knowing about what opportunities or what resources are here for undocumented people. And I want to thank you again for coming on the show and talking to me today about your work. I do want to end off on one last question. And it's if there's one thing that people could take away from the films that you make or just in general, the work that you do, what would it be? Definitely it depends on who's watching it, but them to take away the fact that their voice matters and that nobody can tell their story like they can. And nobody should tell their story when they can tell it themselves and um, in whatever way they want to tell it. Because there's always people out there waiting to hear these stories. And you never know. You There's probably somebody that really needs to hear your voice and that you're um, accomplishing. We may all have similar stories, but we all have our own story. And so don't be afraid to to share it. It's okay to be unapologetic. You don't know anybody in explanation. With my films, I just want people to... I wanted to motivate them to get involved also and to learn about their neighbors, to learn about their friends, their friends' parents, people that have been here for such a long time, and to appreciate them. On behalf of everyone at the Pasita Leadership Institute, I'd like to thank the podcast team, 89.5 FM WSOU, for allowing us to use their facilities, and you for listening. Follow us online at www.shu.edu backslash leadership, on Instagram at Pasita Leaders, and on Twitter at SHU Leadership. At Seton Hall, we make leaders better.